Jamie McKim once joined a team as a player knowing he'd get less game time there, but that he'd enjoy the training more. It's something that stayed with him as he's moved into the dugout. The Johnston Borough boss takes a break from trying to steer his side into the West of Scotland League's second tier to join us on the show this week. He looks back on last Saturday's dramatic Renfrewshire derby in Conference A and tells us why he thinks the Borough should have ended Arthur Lee's unbeaten season. As we get closer to the end of another campaign, Jamie and Paul discuss recruitment and how they go about shaping their squads. There's also the Keeney Park kitman who's helped keep the club going despite missing the opening periods of pretty much every home game. It's hotting up in Conference C as well, where Drumchapel could, in theory, wrap up the title this weekend by winning their final league game of the season. But Peters Hill have a game in hand over the drum, and they'll finish top if they win this weekend and seven days later. Drum boss Adam Hopes tells us why he's given up on lifting the trophy and tells us why they must have their home ground sorted for next term, whatever division they're in. Paul gets all romantic on us too and tells us about the difference between loving football and being in love with a beautiful game. There's all that and Mark Mackay's Best of the West as we go down the divisions. Good to have you along after a two-week break, actually, as we take a look at Scotland's lower leagues. Well, it's been a busy time of things since our last show, Paul. You've, I think you've been at Tenerife. I was lucky enough to be in in Cardiff to see Gareth Bale score that wonderfully kick. And I'm just back from uh, reporting on Scotland's under-21s drawing Kazakhstan last night. Yes, that's. Uh, I was in Tenerife, you were correct. I was there watching Cheltenham races, of all things. Uh, a holiday, and it's not a holiday, my wife might listen to this, uh, <laughs> and I, I was away from Saturday to Friday, and every time she's on, but you've been away, away, this says no, I've been away six days, <laughs> so no, <laughs> uh, went to Tenerife, as I said, uh, with a group of guys who usually goes to Cheltenham races, but decided to go to go abroad in the sun and watch it this year and obviously you have been away with your work obviously covering international football matches and you need to tell me a little bit more about Kazakhstan well did you see Borat no I didn't no I'm still actually getting used to UK time again I didn't get to my bed till uh, 5 30 a.m this morning um but uh but that that pitch in Almaty it was it was Almaty we were in uh uh Scotland's under 21s uh we're leading 2-0 ended up uh the game ended up finishing two each but I don't know if you saw the the weather conditions. Uh, we got in the taxi to the ground, and it was like a nice a nice uh, spring day. And we got out the taxi, and it was like the middle of winter. It was like we we changed seasons. The game started. There was so much rain and snow during the ninety minutes. There were streams of water coming down the stands into the press box because the roof was leaking. Then the floodlights failed in the second half, and the the the, the, the game the game carried on with half the pitch in darkness. Presumably because they had to get the game finished because with the logistics of getting the team back and everything. But I mean, by the end, well, not even by the end, by half time, you know, the, the the state of the pitch, you know, there's games in the West of Scotland League would have been called off. You know, the conditions were were, were that bad, but they ploughed on, you know, and, and Scotland conceded late on. But uh, 
Yeah, great experience, but a bit bit sleepy tonight. I'm, I won't uh, I won't lie. But something else that's happened uh, since our last show, as well as us been on our travels. I think uh, you've taken charge of your first two competitive games as Kaluk Rovers boss. Uh, a three all draw with Royal Albert to kick things off. Then what sounded like a pretty impressive performance on the weekend, which ironically was back at back on the old stomping ground at New Mains United. Well, we'll take the first game first. Uh, Royal Albert. Uh, it was a bizarre game. I'm sure I'll by now a lot of our listeners might have seen the game because it kind of went viral on uh, social media where uh, Royal Albert goalkeeper come up in the last minute uh, and scored a header, a free header, may I add, uh, which was really disappointing. It felt like a defeat, but fair play to Connor Blades, the goalkeeper. I was actually at a game uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, Kirluk didn't have a game and I went and watched uh, Royal Albert, they, they were actually playing at our ground and he scored from a, a free kick that day uh, so it was the second goal of the season, so fair play to him and yeah, back to New Mains on Saturday which was I'll be honest and say a game I wasn't really particularly looking forward to going back to just because we'd, we'd only just left and stuff like that and you know I've been involved in football for a long long time and you know, you just don't know how these results are going to go, do you? Uh, but we were professional. We went and the boys were brilliant. It meant more to sort of myself, Billy, Guppy and Michael Barton, who's joined us from New Mains, you know, to everybody else. It didn't really matter, I suppose. So I maybe put a bit more pressure on myself for the game. Uh, and, you know, I just said to the players that, Probably the new mains players would maybe prove us wrong a little bit. They would be up for it a wee bit more. Uh, we've done a lot of work on how we were going to play over the last two weeks for this game. And, you know, we were in there and I want to be respectful to new mains because for the first 35 minutes, that game could have went either way. It was a particularly bobbly pitch. The ball was kind of bobbling about a little bit. Uh, it wasn't really conducive for great football. But you know, first 35 minutes, it could have went each way. Once we scored, and I felt maybe New Mains kind of try to match up to us and, and go man for man, we were we were okay then, and, and I knew we had enough quality in the squad to to get it over the line. And I'd just like to also thank James Wynn and his wife Joanne from New Mains, who made us really, really welcome. Uh, great hosts and doing a great job at that club. The, the, the work that's went on since we've left is, is brilliant. Uh, I've said on the show before, you know, I've got a lot of time for new mains. They'll always be a bit part of me, but to go there with a Kaluk team and, you know, the boys are brilliant. Honestly, Saturday was a, a, a actually good feeling driving away. Uh, they went in there, got the three points. And more importantly, the first win of 2022. Uh, they'd won since November. And the last game of the season, that's us finished up now. So, Hey, onwards and upwards for next year. And I was obviously going to ask about that. Uh, I mean, the season's come to an end now. Uh, is there a part of you wishing it was still continuing or are you quite looking forward to to getting stuck into things and, uh, you know, slowly but surely you and Craig Gupwell shaping shaping that team into your team? Yeah, obviously, the way things are working out this year, Gareth, we got a great insight from Kenny. He was on the show the other week. He was telling us the, the league won't go back until the last week in July, I think he said. 
which has allowed us to sort of start looking at a pre-season schedule. We don't want to finish up now because it's too big a waiting time. So we're going to train to the end of April, maybe taking a couple of friendlies, allow both Craig and I and the, the coaches to go out and watch some players and watch some games as well. And uh, so then we will return probably pre-season round about the 11th of June. And that's what I've kind of got scheduled in my head at the moment. Uh, from my point of view, I'm really, really looking forward to trying to make uh, things better for the players. Not that there's anything wrong with what was at the club just now, but, you know, maybe the match day experience a little bit better, trying to strengthen the squad, uh, trying to bring in some players, some fresh faces, re-signing some of the squad we've got. So, yeah, it's all, it's all pretty exciting stuff and, and it's new for us, isn't it? So it's uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, that all sounds good. Uh, we'll obviously keep an eye on how things go at the John Cummings Stadium uh, every now and again during the uh, the course of the next few weeks. A quick word for our sponsors, media agency 44 Creative. Not only do they have photographers, graphic designers, videographers and video editors to help promote your content, brand, organisation or event, they now offer website services too. They make creation personal and they'd love to hear from you. Find out more at www.44creativehq.com and we'll include that link in the show's description on your podcast player too. Back to the show and please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. If you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Hi, I'm Gordon Moffat. I'm the manager of Clyde Bank, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Johnston Borough boss Jamie McKim is on the show this week. Thanks for being with us, Jamie. Pleasure to be here, guys. Before we chat some more, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club from SPFL League One all the way down, then reveal the answer at the end of the show. Right, this week I'm looking for the club that was founded in 1969 as an amateur works team for Lloyd's Finance. When they won the East of Scotland Premier Division for the third time in 2017, they didn't take part in the promotion playoff to join the Lowland League because of licensing issues. They play their home games in the area where Graeme Souness grew up. And before the start of the 2011-12 season, they changed their name to reflect their links with a successful youth club who have produced the likes of John Collins, Lee Griffiths, Alan McGregor and the Caldwell brothers, Gary and Stephen. Any idea, Jamie? No idea. <laughs> Paul? I think I know the boys club. Right. You say they changed their name to that? No, they changed their name to reflect their links with the, with the boys' club. All right, okay. We'll find out the answer at the end of the show. Johnston Borough boss Jamie McKim is on the show. Well, first of all, I think this is the first uh, the first down the divisions on the road. Jamie, where, can you tell us where, where you are just now? Uh, Les Mahigo, Tesco. <laughs> uh, Travelling back from Birmingham with work, so... Uh, aye, it's interesting. <laughs> That's the first for us, but uh, no, thanks for being on the show. Uh, 
you've got no game this Saturday, I don't think, but uh, it sounded like a proper Renfrewshire derby last weekend against Arthurley. It was, um, to be fair. It's probably really happy we've not got a game this week because the injuries are mounting up on us. Um, so we had a night off training last night after Saturday and tomorrow night we'll be in, but it's it's not looking great in terms of numbers. But Saturday was a really competitive game. Obviously, Arthurley have went unbeaten this year. Um, and we, to be fair, on Saturday, I think we were very good um, and unfortunate not to see the game out and get the three points. Yeah, the game the game finished one each, uh, but it sounded like there was plenty happening. Um, just tell us a bit more about the game. I mean, you, uh, you took a second half lead, and then I think it was one of your boys uh, on the end of it, Brian Connor, took a dull one, did he? And then uh, and then they they levelled with four minutes left. Yeah, I think in the first half we we created plenty of quality opportunities. Unfortunately, didn't take them. Um, in the second half, we we scored for a set piece. I think it was about maybe 70-odd minutes. And then, as, as you said, Brian took a sore one round about just before 80-minute mark. Um, for me, I don't want to get too far. I hate speaking about the referee side of it, but uh, we've, we've had a few harsh decisions on us recently. And for me, it was a red card challenge in Brian. We had used all three substitutes and we effectively went down to 10 men because uh, the limit in his movement, he, he couldn't move. He was basically standing up front to try and occupy one of their defenders. But... Um, effectively, we went down to ten men at that point, and that swung the game for me in the last ten minutes. Um, as, as, so very, very frustrating. As as far as I mean, obviously you wanted to win, but as you say, like Arthurly, I think now that I think that's made, I think that's there, then broken the club record for the the most games uh, in a row without defeat. They made it now twenty four games, I think, with the season they've had and the fact that you pushed them all away. I know you didn't get the result for whatever reason that you were looking for. You know the, the win, but how how good can that performance uh, be for you? And and how how far does it reflect on how much progress you've made this season? I think from from the outside it, pro- it probably does reflect well. Um, and people also and I know as you said we pushed them all the way, but for me, uh, we we dominated the game for large parts on Saturday. So for me, that the real frustration is if we'd come away and and we had one two now or whatever, people wouldn't be saying. Uh, it's a harsh scoreline or whatever. I thought we were we were well worthy of one, but I think it's it's just a reflection of how our seasons went recently in the last four to six weeks. We've had a hard time in it, um, but I, I'm pleased with the performance. There's no doubt about that. I just if we can carry that into the last two games, we'll give ourselves a good chance of, of progressing further. In terms of going into this conference, Jamie, obviously I've come up against you a few times. You've also had good teams and well organised teams, fit teams as well. Are you surprised that Johnson Borough are where they are in the league, eh, especially yourselves and, and Craig Mark Buttons? I think at the start of the season, I would say we we, we thought we would be up challenging kind of top half. Um, we had a really, really poor start. Um, I think quite a number, without speaking out of turn, a number of players let us down at the start of the season and our squads changed dramatically around about the halfway point. Um, just, I think, a, a kind of a mixture of different things. See, coming back from the, the COVID scenario, life's obviously changed for a lot of people. So, in terms of our squad, we were, for me, we were set up to be successful in this division. But kind of halfway through, we've maybe had a turnover. We've maybe brought in six new players, and we've maybe lost between six and ten. But for me, I think the last the last six games or whatever you would say, I think well we've not been beaten. I think twelve. I think we've won nine out of our last twelve and drawn three. 
and for me that's shown where we could well where we could and should be if we had done that earlier in the season you know if we had that earlier season form we could be higher in my opinion and we'd already we should have already secured a minimum of league one or championship whatever you call it football for for next season but that's not taken away from the quality of the other teams you must be pleased with that then jamie because obviously to bring in six players for me, that's that, that's a lot, and then you're you're integrating these guys into a changing room as well. It's obviously to, to get you know to, to change the mentality, to, to bring different characters and personality. And how did you go about doing that? I think um, we probably when we just before we hit the halfway point of the season, we we knew we had to get uh, more bodies in. We were struggling to score goals. We were we, we've actually got a very good defensive record. Um, we were really struggling to score goals and we managed to get Brian Connor in for Evan Meadow um, who made a big difference going forward we managed to get Rory Clark in centre midfielder for uh, Drossen um, helped us kind of steady the ship in the middle and we got Ryan Wallace in as well who came in at left back he was at Mary Hill earlier in the season and that kind of that three supplemented us really well so it just it made us look a bit stronger in games and helped us and towards the second half of the season I think we've just We've had that time to gel as a team, and you can see with the performances we're getting stronger week on week. But um, it was it was tough. See, halfway through a season when you know you need more, I think you know obviously Paul for being in it yourself. It's, it's really really tough to go and recruit mid season. Really tough. Um, but we were very fortunate to get the boys in. And that's well, that's a credit to you because I was thinking that when you said that, you know, it was always difficult to actually go to. a... And maybe hoping to pick up boys is maybe not getting a game at a bigger club. How, how did you go about that? Did you have to go and buy these players, or were they just guys that uh, become available in the transfer list? Well, I think for the cases of Ryan Wallace left Mary Hill, and we managed to pick him up free. Same way, Rory, um, we managed to get Thomas Cruden in from the amateurs. The one time we did this, the one time we've ever paid a fee for a player was Brian Connor for Ever Meadow. And I think that was out of the club, knowing the guys at the committee, to be fair. Um, they, were, they were at the games every week. They could see what we needed. And we really need, we really needed a striker at that point. Um, needed somebody to put the ball in the net. And that's what Brian's came in and done. So I was really help, it was really helpful for the club, obviously, supporting us at that point. But that's something that, since I've been there, we've never really been able to do. Um, and it was brilliant for me just to get the backing for that. And obviously, it's helped us massively. And one thing you have over the years been very good at, you you have took guys from amateur football, 21s football and stuff like that. Is that a market that you still actively shop in? Yep, 100%. Um, we, we, see, to be honest, I think you, you need to look at every level to get what you, you... You know yourself, there's guys playing at different levels of the game that could do a job for you. So we are... As I've got to say my coaching team do quite a bit of the work as well. They are out looking at different games all the time. We're watching different 20s games, 21s, amateurs, different games at our level. Really, you're, you're shopping to try and find as many gems as you can, you know? So we, we're used to it because as a club, there's never really been any resource there to, to go and buy anybody or pay anybody. Um, but as I said, I think with this season, with what was at stake, I think with this, this season was provide uh, a real opportunity for all the clubs because obviously, you know, depending on where you finish in the league, um, depends where you play next year. So I think that was kind of more behind the club maybe putting a hand in the pocket and helping us out this year to do a bit a bit better than where we were. So just, just to put things uh, <clears throat> into context, I mean you've got two games left. I think you 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 I suppose ultimately trying to 
keep your fourth uh, fourth spot in Conference A, and that'll see you the promotion to the to the second tier for next season. Is it Shots and Muirkirk? Both are told you've got um, to finish yep. the season off. Um, yep. And how and how, uh, how do you see those two games to finish things off? And how how uh, how much does finishing fourth and getting that 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 promotion uh, mean to you and the club right now? It would be huge for the club, absolutely huge. Um, obviously, when we came in, I think it's just over four years ago now, we were in the bottom tier. Um, if we managed to finish fourth, it would kind of symbolise back-to-back promotions um, in terms of a, a double jump, essentially. So uh, it would be huge. The, the two games we have remaining are, are very, very tough. We went to shots earlier in the year and we were up 2-0 um, after maybe 35 minutes and we lost the game 3-2. Uh, a very experienced team, very good side. Um, it'll be a very, very tough one. And Muirkirk, I think a lot of people wrote Muirkirk off at the start of the season, which I don't understand, because they've got a lot of good players um, and they all work very, very hard. We, we were there the first day of the season, we drew 0-0 with them. So I think the two of them are very, very tough tests. But uh, with the, the team we've got in the squad, I'm confident getting into every game. Uh, I mean, that we, I, I believe in my players. I think they, they all work hard for each other and they're a talented group. So I think it showed on Saturday, but the position we're in, I think, could be a lot better with the, the last few games. I think our last four, um, we've played Whitlitz, Arthurley, and Craig Mark, and from winning positions, end up drawing the game, ending all of them with ten men. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, just imagine what you could do when you've got eleven on the park. Ah uh, well. To be fair, Saturday there was the first one that was out with our control. The other ones are red cards, and I think we appealed one of them um, because I thought that was unjust, and we take good advice on them. But Saturday there, going down uh, 10 men due to injury and the red card not being shown is incredibly frustrating. To take, take us inside the, the dressing room at uh, Keeney Park. Then You mentioned some of the boys you've signed, but tell us some of the, the characters in the dressing room, some of the, some of the boys in there. You know. The guys who are maybe the bigger characters in there? We've got a, a real mix, to be honest. Um, a lot of, I think as I said to you off here, that we, we signed five guys for, for Alba Thistle a couple of years ago, five from Renfrew under-21s, and kind of merged that together, and that made the basis of our, our squad. Now we've still got, from that, we've still got Stuart Fife, our captain, centre-half. Um, Sam Espon's been with us for a while. Um, he's a vice-captain. Winger, these, these boys have been with me for, for three years, four years now. Um, that I knew from the Paisley and District Youth Leagues. That was where we, we initially got to know them. We've recently signed Jordan Much, who was in at Peters Hill previously. Um, as a friend of mine, so I've known him for a while. Um, he's come in for the last five games. We have you to see how he does. Um, so well, it's, it's a unique group, I would say. Very, very different personalities within it. Um, and obviously with, with Rory coming in from our Dross and Rory Clark, He's, he's been very, very good for my dressing room as well. I think over the years we've probably been very, a very, very young side in terms of what we come up against. And that's where probably this season it's it's maybe hurt us a few times. Uh, but it's, it's a great dressing room to be a part of. It's a great great squad I've got, I think. We have, we've got some really, as I said, we Brian Connor as well coming for Irvin Meadow. We're having Jojo Gillespie we've got. We've got, two, for me, two of the best young talents at the level who I think will go far in the game. So, as I said, we've got it's different dynamics and different strengths and different areas of the squad. 
Who's the loudest in there? The loudest? I would hate to say one because I, t- I tend to try and stay out of there because I think there's five or six, I would say, without being too late, five or six maniacs, I would say. Um, so is it, a dressing, think, is it a dressing room though that you can do that with and, and feel fairly comfortable then that you, you can let the dressing room manage yourself a little bit? I definitely. My dressing room does manage itself. Uh, there is big characters in there. I mean, we've got out with the boys I've mentioned. There's a couple of Pollock boys that are there. Uh, Danny McBeth, centre-half. Malky McDonald, centre-midfielder. Uh, big personalities in the dressing room as well. Um, so there is, there's, there's leaders in there. Um, and although it's a very, very young squad, there, there are a few kind of more. As I said, with Jordan coming in, he was very experienced with Jordan Much. Um, with Jason Hardy and Ricky MacArthur as well previously. Uh, Ricky's still here, but Jason's moved on. The two of them were leaders within the dressing room as well. So it's it's a real mix. But I've, I've not had many major issues, to be honest. It's a, a real good group. Johnson Burr is a great one. I love going to Again, we spoke off air, you know, good changing facilities, proper old-fashioned ground. It must be, you must be at an advantage where you are there as well for in terms of attack. <coughs> Obviously, you've got Paisley, Glasgow, but you also kind of border that kind of Ayrshire as well, so you must, I know there's a lot of clubs in that down in Ayrshire, but you must be quite happy where you're positioned there. Uh, we, have a decent, we are in a decent area, to be fair. Um, as, you, as you said, the facilities are, are good. Inside the, the clubhouse, we've done a lot of work there, and we're trying to make it as attractive for players to come as we can. But although we're in a good position for players to come in terms of where we are, we're also surrounded with the likes of Neilston, Renfrew, Arthurley, um, different people who I think over the years I've, I would say have probably taken Johnston Borough's best players if we're being honest um, I think now we're getting to a stage where that maybe doesn't happen as often as, as you would think but um, for me the, the club's definitely in a, in a good place at the moment and it's, it's just about trying to progress that in the next coming years And in terms of talking to boys for the next season have you re-signed many? A lot of them happy to stay at the club? Aye uh, I think we've re-signed six at the moment. I think the first the first thing we done was went after the club captain and vice captain. I think that's the right thing to do. Um, and both of them signed straight away, basically. So Stuart Fife and Sam Espelm were the first two, and then with Brian Connor and George Joe Gillespie being the two youngest kind of for me the youngest prospects in the squad was the first two uh, we went to after that. Sorry, um, and we've built upon that. And it's basically it's now work in progress. That's that was only kind of the last fortnight the boys have signed. And it's now you're trying to maybe pin two down or three down at every training session to have the chats. You know yourself, it's it's almost a full-time job with the yeah. top of your training that you need to do this and you need to respect some of the other boys' works and not get in the way too much. But well, I'm, I'm really happy with where we are as a, a squad at the moment and I want to tie down the majority, I would say, um, alongside, obviously, we've got targets for next year. So we're, we're trying to go the right way about it and approach different clubs to speak to the individuals we're interested in to take us to the next level. You were not you were nodding your head there, Paul, when uh, when Jamie was talking about contracts and stuff like that. Is that a, a, a thing that every manager's facing right now at this this stage of the season? I think we're in a bit of a unique situation because for us, our season finishes there last Saturday. So when we had Kenny on the show he, uh, earlier on, he was telling us that the, the season goes back. I think the last week in July. So you've got this you know period of time where. Uh, people are going to be idle, so we're actually continuing training now to the end of to the end of April, finishing up probably returning Saturday the 11th of June. So we, we, I'm scheduling now 
we'll have some. I think we're going to have two friendlies in between. Give the boys Easter week off. But if you're a player as well, you, you want to see what your options are as well. Of course, you know, and obviously in terms of management, we are new to the club. The boys don't know us. They've only had us for two games. Uh, we've re-signed nine, I think, nine of the current squad that have, have decided to come out and one or two, one or two want to see how it goes. And I, I totally respect that and I totally get it. Likewise, you speak to other players. They're still at clubs at the moment, so you need to go through the the, the proper channels. And uh, you you're know, meant to. You're meant to, yeah. And uh, you know, Not boys. Sure saying, does, but you're meant to. Yeah, and, and boys are saying, you know, they, they want to see what they're doing as well. So it's a real, it's a difficult, a real difficult period. Uh, but I've also said to you know boys in our squad I had a chat with a couple last week and said you know that's fine I totally respect that decision but you know we've now got, I'm now working with a budget I've now got 19 20 slots to fill and I now need to go and fill those 19 20 slots we felt you know we filled them in nine already uh, there's a couple of players that we probably have targeted that we think we think we'll bring in three anyway that we know of uh, so then that places get limited don't they. And it's, you know, it's got to be down to the individuals. But I answer your question, it's, it's a particularly tough time. Is, is it a time you enjoy, Jamie? That is it? Do, do you kind of get excited about building a new squad? Or, or are you quite glad once you've got your squad together and you can just work with the players you've got? See, to be honest, I think it's tough every year. The first couple of years, we had a major rebuild. And now we're only looking to kind of maybe change a couple of different positions and not as many numbers. I would ideally, I like to go on holiday the first two weeks in June and be able to do nothing, but that's <laughs> never ever happened. Uh, that's, that's the frustration. I think everybody gets their, their time off in the summer. And the man, I've got to admit, I've got a, a brilliant team. My, my assistant manager does a lot of work. Uh, Davey's on 24 7, to be honest. He's, Who's that? He's Tell us a bit more, Davey. Davey Hill. Davey Hill. Um, he puts in as much, if not more, than myself. So, uh, I've, I've got to admit I'm fortunate with that, but you do, you do not get any time off, I don't think, in comparison to what the players do anyway. No, I, I, it's, it's a tough period. It's a real tough period. And I've had it in the past where you think, do you know what? We're sorted. We're going into, we're going into pre-season. I had really good pre-seasons. And then somebody gets, two players get a long-term injury. I've had it as well in the past where you're going into pre-season going, oh, I still need an R3 or 4. All managers need a, another three or four, don't they? But like you're still thinking, I really need three or four, and then things come good for you. It's it's hard, but you just want to go into the first day of pre-season with a full squad, knowing you know business is done, and it makes life a hell of a lot easier. Oh, definitely, I've got to agree. Where, where do uh, where do you hope to take Johnstonborough? What's what's a what's a realistic aim for Johnstonborough? I mean, you you know, in in, in theory. You know, you get the promotion to the second tier. Do you feel the club is set up? Obviously, you know, your main responsibility are the players on the park and the team, but is the club set up and ready to to go places to, to deal with being in the second tier and, and to, to go, you know, further? I would say at the moment there's there's been major progress made off the park. Um, we are we're in the best position since I've arrived anyway. Um, the, the committee is getting stronger. The, the finances are getting better off the pitch. Um, so for me, I think realistically, if we manage to get into the second tier, which I'm hoping we do next season, I think the, the biggest thing, your, your target would be to be there again the following year and then try and build on that and compete. I think 
you need to be realistic about it. And for where we are as a club and the budgets that are around about us, uh, you don't want to be going and saying, oh, you'd love to be in the Premier League within a year because that, that is unrealistic, I think, in terms of who you look, is going to be in League One or the Championship, whatever they want to call it next year. There's going to be some big clubs in there and some real big hitters. So if we get in there, we, we would really need to be at it every week to make sure we compete. Um, but for me, it would be a disappointment for me if, we, if we're not in that next season. That, for me, is really where we want to be. And then, and you, let's be honest, you want to progress every year. You know, you want to take the club as far as you can. And with the guys that are involved now, uh, they're ambitious. They're trying to get more sponsors into the club. They, they would have been successful with that, for, I think, for the first time ever. We'll have a, a budget next year, which I've, I've been looking through green eyes at everybody else with that in previous years. So, um, it's, it's positive times and exciting times. I think and the Saturday game with a huge crowd. Um, and that's just a sign of where it's going. Sorry, Jamie, I was just going to come in there with that. Have you, have you seen an increase uh, in, in your crowds this year with the conferences? Definitely. Um, especially, our biggest crowd before Saturday, our biggest crowd was ever in Vicks game at home three weeks previous, two weeks previous, which surprised it was just obviously a nice day, people getting out to support. But um, I think when you're starting to see the, the clubs who were previously championship clubs, when you go to play against them, they, they get bigger crowds usually. Um and you know yourself, when your team's winning, especially in Johnston, the surrounding, the local people will come out and support a team that's winning. They want to come out and watch a good side. They're not going to waste their time. If we're not at it. How, uh, how gutted were you for the news uh, that your former captain, Niall Heron, kind of made, made the announcement recently there that he, he's had a retire at the age of 22. He had the serious crucial ligament injury. At, I think it was at Cullen Grovers, wasn't it? And uh, you know, his four uh, years of the club has, has come to an end. Uh, it, was, it was devastating for, for him, to be honest, first and foremost. And then for us, obviously, to lose a club captain, and I, I know 22-year-old's very young for a club captain, but he was he's a Jamie, a boy, really, really top boy. Um, good footballer, good boy, good person to have about the club. Um, so at such a young age, I think it was very, very hard for him to take and hard for us at the club as well because we loved having him about. Um, and we had him for a few years. So it's... The thing for me, as much as we want to be a of many good players at the club, the most important thing is we have good people there as well. Um, and when I leave, and it's, it's one less good person there, so it was, it was hard for us to take. Um, and we, I think he built a kind of good rapport at the club over the last couple of years. Been through a lot of his time at the club, so um, I really, really disappointing. It, it happened last season. Uh, how tough was it to watch you, you know, with him trying to make his way back? And, and, and struggling and, and maybe like seeing that he was facing a losing battle. It was tough. Um, I actually, the day it happened, I actually was not there. I had COVID and watched the game and uh, the live stream. But I didn't re- so I didn't realise initially how serious it was. Um, and I spoke to him that night. And then going forward, when we heard where it was going, and when he came back to try and train, he was training individually with our coach Ryan Muldoon. He was taking them into the gym, taking them onto the pitch and trying to do individual stuff. And to be honest, Niall could see initially it just wasn't happening and he was getting set back after setback. And to be fair, it was him that took the decision and very maturely of him, to be fair. Um, and said later in life, if he doesn't stop now, he's going to suffer then. And, and it's, been a, it's been a difficult time, I guess, for the for the club because you also lost a, a, the former committee man and, and lifelong Borough fan, Tam McGee. He passed away, didn't he, recently? Very recently, um, 
I think it was January we lost him. Um, somebody I got to know quite well over the the first couple of years at the club. Very very nice guy and followed us all over. Uh, was every home game, often in the bus to the away games. Just a very very pleasant man. Uh, a long term supporter of the club. I know he was always in the committee. He was in the committee in previous years. But it's it's obviously hard to take at that point. It was nice. His family were up at the Irvine Vicks game because we were, were planning on um, the minute silence and doing a wee bit for his family earlier in the year. But obviously with, with the weather and the, the fantastic surface at Kenny Park, we're struggling a wee bit in, in January. So uh, it was nice to have them up as well. But you're right, as it's been a, a hard time at the club with that recently. Obviously, my, my coach, Ryan Muldoon, lost his father yesterday as well. Um and that's what I'm on my way back up the road to see him tonight as well. So it's it's really tough in terms of for different people at different times in at the club. So as I think it's one of the good things here is we we are a close knit bunch and everybody sticks by each other. I know obviously Ricky runs the club there. Uh, is it Ricky Cantwell, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and over the years I've been in meetings and things like that, and Ricky, you know, has always said it's a, it's a struggle. Uh, have you managed to attract more committee men on to obviously get these improvements and obviously losing a committee man and fan and things like that is, is difficult, but it's uh, have you managed to, to replace anybody on the well, committee? What we, what we have done, we, we lost two or three last year. The, the committee wasn't, it wasn't going very well, committee awards, at the end of the COVID period. Well, when I say the end of the COVID period, when it was we were still shut down as such and we were coming into playing the games in the, the COVID period where it... The, the grounds were close to spectators and things. Um, we managed to attract a couple of new guys, and I think it was a couple of years ago there was a guy standing at the side taking pictures, um, Johnston Borough supporter, and we get talking to him, and eventually he came every week. He's now one of the committee members, Kenny McWilliam. He does the social media, does the pictures, but it was just a guy that was standing at the side supporting us and taking pictures with his camera. And I think that was just a case of, oh, what are you up to? Can, can you help us? Um <laughs> And from then, we've brought, we've tied in with the community club as well, uh, Johnston Borough Community Club. Um, a guy, Scott Graham's taking over there. And he's, although he's helping with the younger kids, starting to take to do with the, the seniors committee as well. And he's he's put a lot in as well. He's, he's helping us out massively in terms of what, uh, how active he is in the committee. And we also, when Coville Park folded a couple of years back, John Fallon joined. Uh, whose brother played uh, for for the club for Johnston Borough? He's joined the committee as well and puts, to be fair, uh, puts a lot of hard work in. So hard work's probably a good way to describe John, but uh, he's he puts a lot in. You can't deny that. And uh, we've we've started asking every club manager every week now um, about the kit man. About we, we always we always like to find out about the kit man. Tell us a bit about your kit man. Who the kit man is? How much work they put in? And and uh, it's a thankless task sometimes, isn't it? Our kit man is the the full-time volunteer at the club, I would say. Um, he doesn't just do our stuff. He does the development stuff as well, the 20 stuff. He's incredible. Um, doesn't he have the greatest health? That doesn't stop him, ever. I think you would say he probably spends three to four days a week at the club in terms of actually in the, the clubhouse. And he's at every development game on a Friday night. He's at every... Uh, the thing for me, when he's at all your games, obviously, the thing I didn't realise until recently is I've been there for four years and he's never seen the first half of any of the home games because he's sitting at the gate taking the money. 
All right. So what's his, name? what's his name, Jamie? Brian Brian Williams. Um, to be fair, probably one of the biggest uh, supports for me in terms of since I joined there. Because at times I think the, the two years were kind of left alone at times in the first couple of years and trying to make decisions, trying to to progress the club. And without his support, it probably it wouldn't have been. I'm not saying probably, it definitely wouldn't have been possible. Um, so, I he's he's incredible for the club, and that's. Somebody we couldn't do without. And every club up and down the country has these, do you know, has these brines. Do you know what I mean? It's it's frightening to see really when you think about it. Like clubs are actually sometimes held together by by one man. Really, on, on times you know you're just saying there he puts the kit out probably before he comes, jumps on a turnstile, and then you know is there after everybody's left putting the, the, the stuff in the washing machine. Super. I can, I can say without doubt, if it wasn't for Brian and Ricky, the club wouldn't be wouldn't be alive. It'd be dead. The club would be dead. But what I would say is, the likes of John coming in, Scott Graham coming in, uh, and the work they're doing alongside, I've got to say, my coaching team putting a power of work as well, um, that's progressing the club further. So the guys have kept it alive, but the, the new guys are, are trying to progress it and make it better. You also mentioned uh, the development team there. I think did, did did you form that? I mean, I think from what I what I read and, and what I, what I heard, it was you, you you'd always hope to get a development team in at the club, and the sort of the pandemic allowed you the time and the chance to kind of put that together. Yeah, well, initially we put out a, an advert. The first thing we done was put an advert for a development team manager because we, we kind of needed somebody to own it. Um, and there was quite a lot of interest in it, to be honest, but. One of the boys I'd worked with previously is Kyle Reid, the development team manager now. He he phoned a bit of in a chat, possibly, about coming in, and he was in at Glenvale at the time, taking, I think it was the 2014. And obviously, I knew I'd worked with him previously, so I knew he was good, I knew I could trust him. Um, and for me, that's that's kind of the basis of everything, first and foremost. As long as you can trust somebody, then there's the possibility to work with them. If you can't trust them, for me, at the point blank, there's no, there's no possibility of going any further. Um, he's got a good backroom team with Ross Stewart, Michael Donnell, very, very top coaches. Uh, worked in it at month for a number of years and at Partick Thistle. Um, and when they, they came in, it was a no-brainer for them to come in and work beside us. And before I came into Johnston Borough, we, I think me, Davey and Ryan that are, are in it now, we were in with the Glenville 2002s with Barry McLaughlin. Um, very, very successful team that Barry had for years. Barry and David Boland had them and we got to know a number of the boys just through that six, seven month period that we were there and that's basically formed the foundations of the development team at the 20s. We managed to get, I think we managed to get eight of the boys from there and on top of that we've added um, a number of the boys that played for Kyle, Ross and Michael at the 2004s and then some of the kids for the Johnston Borough Community Club as well amongst others. So I think we managed to get two in from Davo 20s as well before the season went actual com- actually competitive um, and went live. So, for me, the good thing for me is we already kind of knew everybody that was involved. So, it, it worked really, really well. Um, the challenge will be next season when these guys, the the 2002 players move on, we need to backfill that at 2005 where that's then where Kyle Ross and Michael, their, their knowledge of the game and their player knowledge will then come in and be tested rather than what we knew previously. And I guess is is the the hope then is that that'll create a pathway into the first team and and allow you to have an extra pool of players to select from going forwards. 
definitely. Um, I think that's it's. We've used a lot of the development team players over the course of the season, and I think at the start of the season we signed two central defenders, two senior central defenders, and we were always looking for a third. But there's a boy at the twenties, John Cumming, who was in with the Glenville 2002s, came into our under twenties, and I think he's played 21 games now, and he's 19 years old. And for me, playing as a 19-year-old centre-half, playing 21 games at that level, and he played on Saturday, he's played in most of the big games this season, is, is really impressive for a boy that age. My name's Chris Strain, and I'm the Cowan Rangers manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Well, it's getting interesting in Conference C in the West of Scotland League. Just a point separates leaders Drumchapel and second-placed Peters Hill. If Drumchapel beat Ardross and Winton Rovers and Peters Hill lose at Wishaw this weekend, then the Drum will be crowned the winners of that conference. However, Peters Hill have a game in hand, so if both win on Saturday, then the Drum will have to sweat it out the following week and watch how Martin Lachlan's men get on at home to Glasgow, Perthshire. It's Drumchapel's first season playing at this level, and their co-manager Adam Hopes joins us now. Well, Adam, how are you feeling going into this weekend? Uh, good, good. We're, we're in a good place. Um, I think we've won the last six or seven games, so we look to continue that. Um, and we've obviously got a cup final to look forward to. So um, there's places up for grabs. So the boys that are in the team just need to make sure they keep their jersey and don't let it slip at the last hurdle. Basically, we we obviously had you on the show um, a while ago when you were talking about you know coming into the into the leagues and, and playing at this level. If somebody had given you this situation at the start of the season, would, would you have taken it? 100%. That, that, that's quite a hot topic because a lot of people speak to me about it and all that kind of stuff. And like, I, I, At the start of this, I would never have thought we'd be sitting top of the league with one league game left and in a cup final. I mean, that's just... It's a remarkable season we've had. Obviously, it's disappointing if we don't manage to get it over the line. But uh, we can only blame ourselves for that, really, because there was a period between November December with a few bad results. And then, obviously, we were eight minutes away from uh, beating Peters Hill uh, just after Christmas. And uh, we failed to do that. We lost two goals in the last eight minutes, which was a, a tough pill to swallow. And we, we, we had a, penalty, a stonewall penalty denied at 2-1 in that game as well. Uh, a handball in the box. But listen, we've done the best we can, so we just need to sit tight and try and win Saturday and see where it takes us. Hope I could talk to you all night, mate, because what a season you've had. But the last time you were on the show, we were talking about, you know, how Drumchapel was setting up to come into the league and you had big plans, obviously, to open a bar. Uh, I think it was the United Bar in Drumchapel, and at the time that hadn't opened. You were going into the the new the ground, the Donald Dewar ground. Where are you at with all that now? Is the bar open? Is uh, is is where are you at with your ground as well? Because I know there was one or two problems there. Right. Well, in regards to the pub, that's us uh, in it. Um, so the United Bar is happening, and it's uh, obviously going fine. Uh, the Donald Dewar, however, that just seems to be head after sore head. Um, we started the season playing there, right? And see one thing I want to say, I just want to say, I know, I think the lot of Western Scotland's been getting a lot of grief 
for other things and stuff like that, right? But seeing the girls to herself, I think they've been totally fine with because they understood the situation was in a, a very start of the season. They were happy enough for us to play our games there. Um, but obviously, other teams coming to us, no change of facilities at that time. But to be fair, you weren't allowed in changing rooms, I don't think. No, I think you were. I think you, you, the rule would just came in, you were allowed in changing rooms. But we couldn't get into the facility because it was still getting used as a vaccine centre. So we were putting up gazebos for teams, just as a bit of shelter to get changed in and stuff like that. And uh, just too many clubs basically were complaining to the league about it and we had to take it upon ourselves. I don't I don't think the rest of Scotland, uh, as such said, you must find somewhere else to play. I think we just took it upon ourselves because we knew it was a bit of a big noise and stuff like that. So... Um, on that note, I'd like to say thanks to Mary Hill, because they let us ground share with them. Um, and then I think we only got a couple of games out of Lockburn, to be fair, uh, because the two teams playing on it at that time of year, it was really, really heavy. It was going to break the place. Um, and then, obviously, I need to thank Frank Lovelin at the Benz, because he took us under his wing, let us in there. So uh, it's been frustrating um, for our coaching staff and manager's point of view that we have been jumping about part to part but see at the end of the day we're here just to play football and try and win games and wherever it is it doesn't really matter to us it seems to be other people that are making a noise about it and I I get their frustration obviously in the fact that every club at this level has their own facility but it's just been unfortunate because of COVID we've had to jump about for A to B to C Um, but the, the contract's almost signed um, which uh, the Donald Gilbert will now allow us to go in and get um, the spectator barrier put in place. We've got we've got the dugouts, they're ready to get put in. Uh, then it's just the net and round defencing, and then I think that's it really. We're allowed in the change rooms and that there now, so everything seems to be going the right way, and we get a wee extra bonus as well. There's a new Astro Tough going in uh, at the end of June, I think, uh, just after the spectator barrier goes in. So that's a good. That's a good thing for us, obviously, to be getting a brand new Astro in place. But um, I think I've covered everything that you've asked me in that question, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you know, it's really quite strange because we played Royal Albert uh, two weeks, I think it was two weeks ago we played Royal Albert, and the rule was even then, they play in South Lancashire, our ground South Lancashire. We were only allowed nine guys in the changing room, but we weren't allowed back in at half time. We had to do a, a talk on the, on the park. And I don't even know why the ruling was, because obviously COVID obviously affects half-times, but yet the referee was allowed back in. So it's just really strange. I don't even know when all that's going to get ironed out and everyone's told, well, do you know what? You can get back in the changing rooms properly. But from the answer you've given us then, so you you would foresee yourself uh, back at the Donald Dewar playing next season? Well, Paul, Paul, I'm not being funny, right? But it kind of has to be, because... Obviously, I can't really say too much because it's not really my business in regards to other clubs, right? But we've obviously reached out to other clubs about maybe ground sharing next season just in case. Uh, and see, realistically, that that can't that's not going to happen. And then the league are talking about teams can't ground share uh, a grass pitch. I if we were to go to Mary Hill and say, listen, can we ground share? Then it wouldn't be able to happen. Or if we were to do it with Ants or do it with Perthshire, Ashfield or whatever, we wouldn't, but the league wouldn't allow it. So, for me, it kind of has to be the Donald Jordan. It's looking like, worst case scenario, we're going to be in League One next season. And 
and the criteria needs to be decent. So, I, see, to be honest with you, I don't know where that's going to leave us if we don't get into the Donald Jail because no one can really say anything about it if the league were to turn around and say, do you know what, your time's up because uh, rules are rules at the end of the day and they, they have been lenient with us, but I don't know if it's Glasgow Life or uh, Glasgow City Council, whoever it is that's holding this up at the Donald Jewel, but they're really killing us deep down. Um, so we'll just need to wait and see. We'll take it back on to your positive and hoping, do you know, the season you've had, tell us just a little bit more about it because I fully expected you to be up there. I know you, you said you, you, you at the beginning when Gareth asked you, you said oh, you would have taken that, but I fully expected you to be up there with the type of players you were signing. You were signing top players, or you have signed top players. I don't, see, See, obviously, I'm, I'm not long out of playing football, right? And I've played in teams where you've had tunners of good players and you've had a mixture of players and stuff like that. But I think it was all right saying that about us, but obviously we didn't know how it was going to work. It's all right uh, signing the, these players that have played at a level and blah, blah, blah. But see, we are mixing in with guys that maybe haven't played that level and that maybe their, their standards and stuff like that are different. We didn't know, obviously, how it was going to go, but... Thankfully enough for us, uh, we had a good pre-season and uh, the boys all gelled and and they've they've done remarkably well. Do you know what I mean? There's no denying that uh, they've created a bond and the changing room's been relatively good throughout the the campaign. I mean, there's been a couple of wee hiccups here and there, but you're going to get that at any team. Um, so no, uh, at the start, obviously, I said I didn't know I would have took it was because I just didn't know how we were going to be. Um, when it all kicked off at the start of the season, but thankfully it's went well. And how have you found management at this level? Uh, a few few grey hairs. Uh, has it been uh, more stressful than, than you thought for? We had a wee joke about that before we came on air. Obviously the grey hairs. See, for me, um, I don't I, I don't really think it's been that hard. There has been hard moments, right? There's been tough times, but a lot of that comes from for me, comes from the players sometimes maybe not pulling their weight or maybe having too much to say or maybe not taking responsibility upon themselves. Because see one thing that I'll, I'll always do and the coaching staff, see if we've made a mistake or something like that, we'll hold our hands up and say, listen, we apologise, boys, we'll make it better or we shouldn't have done this, we shouldn't have done that. And there's been a few moments like that throughout the season where we've spoke about things and thought we could have maybe done better. But sometimes... When things aren't maybe going players' ways and stuff like that, they start nickering at each other or they maybe have a say something out of line because they're maybe frustrated and stuff like that. Um, I think that's probably been the hardest thing to let, uh, let deal with and try to deal with it, if you know what I mean. Um, just because, obviously, you're, you, you don't want to... Like, that's the thing. There's hundreds of things that I could have probably done different throughout the season, but I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to upset the apple cart. The boys were getting results. They've been doing well. So I kept, from for me all the way back to the the, the goalie coach, we, we kind of just felt it was right just to maybe leave it, just to obviously let the band the, the wheels keep rolling basically. Um, but it's it's ups and downs. But listen, I'm at this present moment. I'm delighted, uh, and obviously we've kind of we've we've kind of. <laughs> to a certain extent gave up the fact that we've lost the league now and there's no one else to blame apart from ourselves. So it's a tough pill to swallow, but at the end of the day, 
you make your bed, you need to lie on it, isn't it? Well, well, what are you going to be like on Saturday? Are you, are you going to keep in touch with the Peters Hill score? Are you going to have somebody there or anything like that? You know, so you can you can kind of uh, I don't know change things during the game. I mean, if you, uh, what's going to happen there? I'd, honestly, I'd, I I don't know. Um, for me, I won't be sending anyone to go. Uh, I think the best uh, bit of contact we're going to have with that game might be Twitter. Uh, one of maybe the committee members or something will be keeping updates. But for me, my focus is on their drawing game. The 90 minutes in their drawing game and try and keep the momentum high, try and get the squad winning because that's what I'm saying to you. We've kind of accepted the fact that it's out of our hands now, the league. Not Peter's Hill have got the league in their hands. If they want to go and win it, I'm pretty sure they'll go and do that. But for me, we need to make sure that the focus and the, the, the attitudes are right and people will want to keep their jersey going into this final because I don't know, obviously, if you know, but the the, the Strathclyde Cup, I'm led to believe, see if they're going to be doing away with the Scottish Junior Cup, which I heard this is the last season, am I right? Is this the last season of the Scottish Junior Cup? We might have some news on that next week. Right, well, see if that is the case, then the Strathclyde Cup's basically got the same reward at the end of it. Um, with access to the Senior Scottish Cup, the only difference being we would need to go, or us or St Caddox would need to go into a round robin with Carnoustie Cur- Primrose or something like that, they're in Easter Scotland Premier, and then St Cuthbert's Wanderers for the South. So that's massive. I mean, we're, we're, we're probably about two or three years away if you even think about a licence. So see to get entry into that um, would be brilliant for us. So obviously, that's kind of what we're, we're aiming for now because obviously we can't really do anything about the league apart from going and trying on a Saturday. And can you see this? Can you see Kenny Young sitting in a helicopter a week on Saturday waiting to deliver a trophy either way to yourselves or to yourself? Uh, it'd be funny. It'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I'd love to pay I can see any speed of flying. It'd be funny. I, I, I'd, I'd pay to see that, to be fair. <laughs> uh, but I'd no, listen. I actually don't know what would happen with that. I don't know what would happen with that. Like, the, the league going to maybe be prepared for Wishaw winning and us winning, and or are they going to be prepared? Well, I don't know. A black hack sitting somewhere, wouldn't there? A black hack. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point, though. Say, say, say you win and they do lose on Saturday. Well, will the will the trophy be on hand somewhere nearby? Or I mean, you've not been told that'll be the case. No, I've not. I've not been told anything. Um, I'm pretty. I don't know if you know, but our game on Saturday's up at Peter's Hill. Oh, I didn't know that. Aye, aye. So you know, Gary. No. no you know. Right. So obviously we've been playing at the Benz, but the Benz were given a home fixture for Saturday, and so were Mary Hill. So the the, the only thing we could have done to get the game on was Peter's Hill because it was available, and uh, I. I dealt with Diane for the Thistle Trust in the past and she sorted it out for us so aye we're at um, Peter's Hill on Saturday and finally before we let you go if you win the league what's the United bar got to be like on Saturday night I, I couldn't even I couldn't even have a pop it that would be well the bad news is there's a function up the stairs so <laughs> they're bombed out <laughs> no, they can't. I think I, I think it's quite a big thing that's on. But listen, the whole downstairs will get kept for us anyway. So listen, I, I can't see it. I cannot see it. But at the end of the day, football's a funny game. You just don't know what could happen. 
Adam, brilliant. Thanks for thanks for coming back on the show. We'll uh, we'll keep an eye on uh, the scores on Saturday and uh, wish you wish you all the best. Brilliant lads, all the best for the show. Cheers, Adam. Hi, I'm Ross Wilson, manager of Mary Hill, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. And now it's time for Mark Mackay to tell us who was this week's Best of the West. Last week's Best of the West saw Camberslang go head-to-head with Gap Cairn at Somerville Park. And Alan Reid double, Simon's in between John Gemmell's 100 goal at this level, so can be run out 3-1 winners on the day. Camberslang were the first team to secure promotion, being the best of the West, certainly this year, in Conference B. Hi, I'm Sean Kenny, manager of Deer Thistle. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Johnston Borough boss Jamie McKim is on the show this week. Uh, Jamie, we've talked about the club and this season and things. Uh, we kind of maybe talk a bit more about yourself. Uh, t- t- take us back to you know your your involvement in football, where it first started. You know, where, you know, playing wise and things like that. What, what kind of uh, what attracted you to the game? First attracted me. I think it's uh, probably my dad going to going to watch Celtic games, going to watch football, and probably doing that. And then obviously you go to school. I think initially. I went into play at Glenifer Thistle when I was a young kid. And from there, uh, you, you fall in love with the game at a young age, don't you? And you, I think very young, I took an interest in coaching probably from, from I was about 15 years old. Um, and from there, it's it's been a couple of different... I was in it a month for a couple of years, coaching at Glenvale, as I said, and then in Johnston Borough. I was passing the plane, but I wasn't very good, I don't think. I don't really remember, but... <laughs> I don't. I don't remember being that talented. <laughs> I was going to actually say, are you? I mean, did did you did you find yourself well, a more interested in the coaching quite quickly than playing, and b you felt that it was something you could maybe do more with than the playing side? I to be fair, I think I wasn't too bad at playing. I'm only joking with that. But I, I'm, I'm I'm totally. I think from a young age, I became a lot more interested in the coaching. I enjoyed putting the training sessions on and making sure the players enjoyed it. I think. Probably from when I played at the under-21 age group, I played for a couple of different teams at that age. And I'll, I'll be honest, I actually signed for one club over the other because of the training sessions where I wasn't I wasn't actually getting a game with the team who the training was good. And the team who, where I was getting a game, I really didn't enjoy the training. And I ended up signing for the one where the training was better than I wasn't getting a game. So at that point, I don't know if it's something that triggered in my mind at that point that when I was coaching, it was all making sure players enjoyed it, trying to progress players. It's just something that came, I think the, the training sessions initially came natural to me, with the enthusiasm I had. Was there somebody in particular, Jamie, that said to you, you should start looking at this kind of route at such a young age, or was it just something in particular that you, you obviously looked at that club and looked at their training sessions and thought, they're really good, I'm going to start looking at coaching, or... or was it somebody that actually said to you, Jamie, this should be the way to go? I actually started because I think um, my dad, my dad's a chairman at Glenville. That's what his role is. He oversees that. And he, he had a couple of different teams at the time. And I remember my brother's team, he was managing that at the time when I was still playing. And I went in and took a couple of training sessions for them. And that's what kind of whetted the appetite a wee bit for it. 
Um, and from there, I really fancied it. I think at that point, I went in and done work experience in at St Mirren and ended up going in and taking one of the the young academy teams. The, the, well, when I say academy teams, the, the pre-academy teams. And from there, it's, it's just progressed from there. So I wouldn't yeah. say it was anybody in particular. I'd say, obviously, falling in for my dad and then for there, it was just kind of something that I, I really enjoyed. Take us a bit more on that coaching journey then, Jamie, you know, in terms of how, how you got to... How you got to the borough? I think we, um, I had obviously my, my assistants I've got now, David Hill and Ryan, they've, they've been with me for a number of years. They were actually with the Glenville 1998 side that I had. Um, it was us three that took that. I think we had that for maybe seven years before um, when we fought under 19s, to be honest. I think we all know that when it gets to under 19 football, it changes. Uh, kids lose interest, they have different things going on in their life. And for me, that really wasn't for me, for the amount that I want to put in. The amount, I think, when you commit to it, you really need a buy-in for the, the players, you need a buy-in for everybody around about you, and I wasn't really getting that. And at that point, I was, I'll was i be honest, I was. we lost a, a cup final to a team in the division below us at that point, and I was totally scunnered with it, looking for something new. Um, and that's when the, the 2002 thing came up with, with Barry and his team, who were very, very good. But if I'm being honest, I was, I was in coaching and helping there. But I really preferred to be the number one and be the manager and stuff. And that's when the Johnston Borough job came up in the January. Um, we went, I went for it there and then. And I think I let we the day that I joined Johnston Borough, the Glenville team won the, the quarterfinals at the Scottish Cup at that point. They went on to win the Scottish Cup that year, which was brilliant. Obviously, I, I missed out on that. And it's it's one of the in the long run, it's it's worth it. But it was it was hard to see at that point because I'd, I'd love to be part of that. But that takes us to now, and it's the coaching side. So something, although, although now I think the role of actually being a manager's changed a lot. You don't get to coach as much. I, I still do love doing it. I've, I've just completed my B license recently, and it's something I want to take on further and keep progressing. Yeah, I was going to mention that I, I saw in your uh, your Twitter feed that about your uh, your B license. Uh, how much has coaching become part of your life and management become part of your life? Are you? Uh, like most, like most managers and like most coaches, are you a bit of an obsessive? I think uh, there's no way I can deny that. If, if this is going to go out and my missus hears it, so um, ah, yeah, it's, it's a huge part of my life. I think uh, it's if you didn't have it, you, I don't, I, sometimes we actually had this discussion last week. I don't understand what people do that don't do it. If you know what I mean, if you're not involved in football, I, I don't understand how people fill their time. Um, that's, <laughs> It's just something that's never crossed my mind having a life of football. So, um, but I, it's definitely is it's something that I've been. You get obsessed with it, and you constantly watch. You constantly want to improve. You're watching and trying to learn from different people, and uh, you're just trying to get better all the time. I was actually listening to a podcast this week, Jamie, and, and for years I couldn't put like Gareth knows me well, knows me inside out, like. I'm an, I'm obsessive with it and obsessed with the game and, and all that. By the way, like a million other people in this country, I'm not I'm not certainly not unique. But I was listening to a podcast this week and the guy on it says, uh, and I tell you who it was. It was Jack Ross uh, speaking. It was like an older podcast when he was at Hubs and he'd left his job at the PFA and he went to Tony Higgins to ask him about stepping up to be a coach and Tony Higgins says to him. Do you love football or are you in love with football? And uh, he says, if you love football, stay in the job you're in. 
But if you're in love with football, he says, then go and, and do what you're doing. And I think anybody that takes on a team and manages a team or coaches a team or it's in at any kind of level, I think you have to be in love with the game before you can, you know, you, you can't do this half-hearted. You're all in or not in. And, you know, we've all got, well, not everybody's got a wife and partner, but, you know, your wife, you come in, they need to know that you're also in love with the game as well because that also can reflect on your Saturday night. I think uh, you're bang on. Absolutely bang on. I think you've been talking to my missus here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's the first time I'd heard somebody say that and and I, I thought, do you know what? That's probably why I answered a million things for me because sometimes I think, you know, you say to yourself, what am I doing it? Why am I doing this? You know, I care about it. They don't care about it. And I'm talking players as well, you know, dead easy to say, I'm not turning up on Saturday, but you've got to be there. You've got to put the sessions on. Or if you've got a coach that puts the sessions on, like myself, I like to have a huge input into that uh, session. If I'm not doing it, then I like to kind of direct as well, you know, where that session's going and why we're doing it. But you need to be in love with it to do it. Otherwise, what is the point? I think the last few years I've probably get, got a lot better at delegating in terms of the sessions because we've got, I think we've got a huge backroom team now. I think we're up at seven, um, which to be fair, I think to what we want to do now in terms of taking the club forward, we need. Um, but the one thing I would say, you're right in terms of having to be in love with it because I think it affects your life off the park so much that I, I think I feel the defeats really heavy. And you don't really feel the, the wins that much, if, you, if I'm being honest. Absolutely. Um, I think the the defeats are enough. The worst thing is the last couple of games we've drawn have felt like felt like defeats. They're mm-hmm. even worse. Um, so it's it's tough, you know. It's I just think you, you try not to get too carried away when you win because you know your next game's the following week. But when you lose, it's at the end of the world. It really is. So it's it's a definitely a tough job to be involved in. So, so it's a Saturday night, Jamie, and you've had a defeat. What's, what's that like? Dark. Very dark. Um, it's, it's dependent, really. I think there's sometimes you've got, to, you've got to try and switch off and forget about it. But um, the, the good thing, I'm, I'm thinking now it's the last time that we done when we get, the last thing I've done when we get beat. But it was, as I said, nah, we got beat in the last one. So I'm, <laughs> I can't believe I'm, I'm, I can't believe I'm going to say that. <laughs> but it's, let's say let's say it's not very fun. Um, we actually we a after we drew last week. Craig Marks, I think they scored in the 89th minute, and that's for me that obviously that really felt like a defeat. And we had a, we went out to one of the race nights for one of the, the Glenville teams afterwards, and it's as if you're the next day. It's as if you're only really there. If you know what I mean, it's it's tough. So but as I said, if if you win and you want to have a couple of drinks or whatever and enjoy it, it's 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 not as good as obviously as I said the other way around about. Well, wait till you lose to, oh, you get a draw and the goalkeeper goes up and scores with a header and 97,000 people see it on social media <laughs> and the away team's got a, a linesman that shouts, get it, run you, <laughs> and it goes viral. That's a dark place, mate. <laughs> I can imagine. I can only imagine. That's a dark place. <laughs> and that feels like a defeat. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I agree with you there. <laughs> Where, uh, where where do you want to take this, Jamie? Where do you want where do you want to go as a coach? You you said you've got your B license. I mean, is 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 further further badges on the 
on the agenda and, and to go as high as you can? 100%. Um, I will, I'll probably start the licence later this year, if not early next year. Um, listen, I'm, I'm ambitious with it. As I said, if, if you love what you're doing and eventually you want to go as high as you can and, even, and who knows where that takes you. You don't want to make silly predictions and make yourself look silly in years to come if it doesn't happen. But yeah, for me, you just want to do a, a good job and see where it takes you. And and have you evolved over the years? I mean, do you, do you, you know, we always hear about managers going in, you know, you hear the phrase philosophy banded about and stuff, and then maybe they get maybe they get into the job and realise maybe the level they're managing out or the players they've got perhaps don't quite fit what they wanted to do and they either try and stubbornly stick to their principles and, and maybe it doesn't go so well or, or they change to, to adapt to what they've got. Is that something you've had to learn to, to deal with over the years? 100%. Um, I think... The first year we came in, I think I came in, we obviously coming for youth football and all the surfaces were, were Astro Grass and um, we were all, we'll get the ball down for the goalkeeper and we'll play out in these lovely wee patterns of play and we'll go and score lovely goals. Um, and then when you go to Johnston Borough and you go, we're going to carry this on and you step onto Keeney Park in the middle of February um, <laughs> and your boots sink under the surface, you're not playing that brand of football. Sometimes, obviously, you need to manage the game differently and for me, I think you mature over the years because at the end of the day, when when you have people that come and pay in and support your club and, and watch every week, regardless of the performance, the results are king at the end of the day. Um, and a lot of the times, that's where I think we've played well in the years where um, I was probably a bit naive in terms of how open we played. And we were maybe one up or two up or whatever and we're still open where, for me now, we've kind of learned if you're up, you try and shut the, shut the shop and make sure you get the points. Says the guy whose team have conceded for the winning position the last four games, eh, three <laughs> times. But no, that's for me. That's some of the lessons you you take. Is it makes you a better manager and definitely a better coach anyway. My name's Tommy Sloan, Auchinleck Talbot manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the Down the Divisions decider. Right this week, just a reminder. I'm looking for the club. That was founded in 1969 as an amateur works team for Lloyd's Finance. When they won the East of Scotland Premier Division for the third time in 2017, they didn't take part in the promotion playoff to join the Lowland League because of licensing issues. They played their home games in the area where Graeme Souness grew up. And before the start of the 2011-12 season, they changed their name to reflect their links with a successful youth club who have produced the likes of John Collins, Lee Griffiths, Alan McGregor, and the Caldwell brothers, Gary and Stephen. Right, Paul thought you had an idea. You got any ideas yet, Jamie? I was, it's obvious one of the Edinburgh ones, but I was looking at your Kelties and stuff like that, but I don't think so. Mystic with Kelty? I uh, go for it. Paul? Just because you said they started out as a profession, I was going to say civil service strollers. I think we've had that one before, so I'm not sure. What makes you think that? Just because you said they started off as a works team, civil oh, service. That's that's why I thought it, but I don't think as that. I think we've had that before, and the boys' club team in my head I thought was Hutchie Vale because they're quite a big team through there. But I'm going to go with civil service strollers. The answer is. Lothian Thistle, Hutchie Vale. Ah, there you go. There you go. They play in the Sockton area of Edinburgh where Graham Souness grew up. Um, and they merged 
uh, what's that now, 10 years ago. Uh, unemerged, sorry, renamed to reflect the, the players who've, who've come through from, from Hutchie Vale. Jamie, thanks very much for, for joining us on the show this week. Uh, enjoyed the chat and the stories and uh, we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on how, how things go on the weekend, or not this weekend, but uh, with those last couple of games and uh, wish you well for the, for the rest of the season. No, great. Thanks for having me, guys. Really enjoyed it. All the best, Jamie. Thanks, and yourself, Paul. Thanks again to our sponsors, 44 Creative. Go to www.44creativehq.com if you're looking for a photographer, graphic designer, videographer or video editor. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us with your comments or suggestions for people to speak to or if you'd like your club's audio featured on the show. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Do leave a comment, which helps others find us, and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions. Down the Divisions.